Happy Thursday morning for Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here for this round of our pastoral devotionals. I was going to wish you a happy March, a happy March 1st, but alas, it is the dreaded leap year, February 29th. So we are one day behind, one day ahead. You know, I'll leave that for the scientists. I'm more of a, of a Bible guy, which is why we're here working our way through Matthew's gospel. And what is our practice is we jump into a portion of scripture, the text actually, that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming week to help us kind of walk through it together to give you a sense of how I'm thinking about it. And hopefully it will be helpful in giving you some, uh, some tools for yourself as you uh, grow as a student in God's word. So we are in Matthew 17. I'm going to read our passages, verses 1 through 13, and pick it back up where we left off yesterday. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, then why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Now we left off uh, yesterday talking about the significance of Moses and Elijah being there, that they were theological Old Testament symbols that pointed to the coming Messiah. Um, Moses' prophecy about a prophet, prophet greater than him, uh, Elijah, who the Jewish people, according to the prophecy of Malachi 4, were looking to, to come and be the forerunner for the Messiah, to prepare the way for the Messiah. And how that was, you know, remember Jews would, for, for hundreds of years, leave a, an empty seat um, at the Passover table um, because it was to be there if Elijah were to, to show up. And so it was a symbolic idea that they were waiting, hoping, expecting the Messiah. So you cannot blame Peter really one bit for what happens here next. Um, and let's try to understand what Peter says here in verse four, when he said, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, what what, what is Peter saying here? Or what, what's, what's he asking? First of all, that idea that, Lord, it is good that we are here, it, the, the sense of it does not mean it's a great thing that we are all together, or I'm so glad to see you, or I'm so glad to be in the same place as you, or 
we are incredibly blessed to be seeing what we're doing. That That's not the, the nature of that phrase. What it really means is it's good that we're here so that we can respond appropriately. It's good that we are here so that we can take the corresponding action to what we're seeing. Now, what, what did they think they were seeing? Well, I mean, they were seeing the transfigured Christ. They were seeing the glory of God face to face. And Moses is there. Elijah was there. And it would have been very, very natural for them just to assume, well, this is it, right? Regardless of whatever else Jesus has said about him needing to go to Jerusalem and die, um, his glory is being revealed. Elijah is here. Um, Jesus must be inaugurating his kingdom. And so when he says, may I make three tents, that word tent, it, it's a nebulous term. It can mean a small tent, okay? It can mean a tabernacle. Um, it was the same word um, in the Feast of Booths when the Israelites would build these shelters to live in outside their homes to remind them of their escape from Egypt and living in the wilderness um, and how they would take up and take down the tent of meeting. Okay, again, same word. It's hard to know exactly what is in Peter's mind, but I, I, think, I think between the lines here, we can see what he's saying. He's saying, it's good that we're here, Lord. We're witnesses to your glory. We're witnesses to the coming of the Messiah. Let us now erect three tabernacles, three temples, three permanent structures befitting your lordship and befitting your kingship and your messiahship, um, befitting your helpers, Moses and Elijah. In other words, Lord, you've appeared. Um, let's stay right up here on the top of this mountain. Let's keep our eyes uh, fixed on this messianic prize that has been set before us historically and everything else. And so I think this is what, this is Peter's request. This is Peter's um, initiative. And I, and, I, and I think behind all this is this idea that Messiah has come. Now is the time for rule. Now is the time for reign. Let's erect the tabernacles. Let's erect the tents of meeting. Um, let's consolidate our glory, your glory, Lord, of course, um, and for, for mission and taking um, the nation for you. So I, th I think that's what's behind Peter's statement. And you can't help but be sympathetic to that interpretation. However, that's not the way this is going to end. That's not what Jesus has come to do, okay? Now look at verse 5. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, this is terrifying. This is the voice of the Lord. This is, this is God speaking on the mountain, right? And God says something interesting. Not only does he affirm his Son and, his, and who he is as the Son of God, but he instructs the disciples to listen to him. And that's an interesting phrase um, because here things are going to take a turn that Peter and the disciples may not expect, okay? So let's keep reading in the text. When the disciples heard this, 
They fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So in other words, things were back to normal. Jesus's full glory was once more cloaked in his human form and in, in his earthly body, his human body. And the vision's gone. The vision's done. And then the first thing after telling them to rise and have no fear, here's what Jesus tells them. Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And he was saying this, verse 9, as they were coming down from the mountain. Do you, do you see what's happening here? They thought the Messianic kingdom had arrived, um, heaven on earth. Jesus was that person. They were his loyal cabinet. Elijah and Moses were his forerunners. They were, test of, they, they, they were the, the witnesses to this great feat. Jesus, Peter says, let's build the temples. Let's get the tabernacles, the worship, the glory going. Uh, let's start this kingdom thing right here and there. God says, shows up and says, no, listen to my son. And what does the son say? Well, Jesus says, it's time to go off the mountain. Jesus says, boys, I, I still have a road in front of me. Um, I still have to go to Jerusalem. I still have to, to die. I have to be delivered up. Um, don't tell anyone about this vision until after I'm raised for the dead. And that tells us two things. One, the people and the other disciples would have hardly understood Yahweh being revealed as Jesus, Jesus being revealed as Yahweh, but then in turn, this Yahweh having to go be crucified, that still was not something they understood or could wrap their minds around. That tells us one, one that's one thing it tells us. The second thing it tells us, of course, is that Jesus is going to die. Even as his glory is revealed, even as we're being given this sneak preview um, into the coming kingdom and eternal glory, yet, Something must happen first. Jesus must still go to the cross. And here, this is where you see all of this coming together. You see, when, when Jesus is having this discussion with Elijah and uh, Moses, um, it doesn't say specifically here what they're talking about, but in Luke 9, he references it in, the, in that account of the transfiguration, where Jesus is talking to them about what? His coming departure, meaning his coming death in Jerusalem. And once more, um, we, are, we are called to hold into tension this paradox that we always see in the cross, which is the way of glory is the way of suffering, that without the suffering, without the death, there is not the glory, there is not the redemption, there is not the reconciliation, there is not the forgiveness. And Peter, like all of us, we're just like Peter. We want to see peace. We want to see forgiveness. We want to see redemption. We want to see reconciliation. But we want it apart from the suffering. We want it apart from the cost. And Jesus says, as it is with me, so it is with you. So that's that's that brings us to the, the very last portion where the disciples in verse 10 have one final question about Elijah. And Jesus is going to say something interesting that will, I think, be instructive 
and encouraging for us at the same time. But you'll have to come back tomorrow to hear it. Let's pray. Father, continue to humble us and remind us that the path you've called for us is one to follow you where we must bear our cross. And so, Lord, we don't, we don't understand fully why it is that this is the way you have designed things. But there's su- something that happens in, in your suffering and as we share in that suffering that draws us closer to you, that makes us more like you, and that reveals um, your glory and the nature of who you are. So, Lord, give us eyes to see that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.